Book Three, Chapter Seven of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de la Bera. Translated by Robert Southey. Book Three, Chapter Seven. Showing how Esplandian was brought up by Nascanio the Hermit and how his father Amadis went to seek adventures, having changed his name to the Knight of the Green Sword, and of the great adventures which he found. When Esplendian was four years old, Nasciano the hermit sent for him, and when he saw how well grown he was for his age, and how fair, he marvelled greatly, and blessed him, and the child embraced him as if he had known him. Then the hermit sent his sister home, keeping with him her son and Esplendian, who had been fed with the same milk. These children remained playing together before the hermitage, till Esplendian grew tired, and lay down under a tree and fell asleep. Now the lioness, coming as was her wont to the hermit for food, saw the child and went up to him, and after smelling him all round, lay down by his side. The other boy ran crying to the good man, and told him that a great dog was going to eat Esplendian. The good man went out to see the lioness, who came and fawned upon him, and the child waking and seeing the lioness said, "'Father, is this fine dog ours?' "'No,' said the good man, "'he is God's, to whom all things belong.' "'I wish, father, he were ours.' "'Do you wish to feed him, son?' "'Yes,' replied the child. The old man then fetched him the leg of a stag, which some hunters had given him, and the child gave it to the lioness and played with her ears, and put his hands in her mouth. And you must know that from this time the lioness came every day, and guarded him whenever he walked out from the hermitage. And when he was grown bigger, Nasciano gave him a bow fit for him, and another to his nephew, and they learned to shoot. The lioness always went out with them, and if they wounded a stag, she would fetch him for them. Now the hermit had certain friends who were hunters, and they would sometimes go out with the Splendian, for the sake of the lioness, that she might bring in their game, and thus Esplendian learned to hunt, and in this manner he passed his time being taught by that holy man. Amadis, having left Gaul with design to do away by new achievements the ill report of his long sloth, entered Germany, and great feats did he there perform, redressing wrongs, passing through great hazards, doing battle sometimes with one knight, sometimes with two or three. What shall I say? He was soon famed as the best knight that had ever entered that country, though they knew him by no other name than the knight of the green sword, or of the dwarf, because of Ardian who was with him. And thus he passed four years without returning to Gaul, or to the firm island, or hearing tidings of Oriana, and no other consolation had he than the certainty that his lady being as faithful as himself endured the same loneliness. Now having passed the whole summer in Germany, when the winter drew nigh he feared the cold, and resolved to go to Bohemia to pass it with the good King Tafinor, of whom he heard a fair report, and who was then at war with El Patin, who was now Emperor of Rome, and whom Amadis hated, as you have heard, for pretending to Oriana. Accordingly he departed for that kingdom. Now it so happened that having reached the bank of a river, he saw a great company on the other side, who had let fly a gerfalcon at a heron, and the quarry was slain near where he stood. He alighted, and calling out loudly to those on the other side, asked if he should lure the falcon, 
They answered, yes. He then gave him to eat what was proper, as one who had often done so. Now the river was so deep that it could not be crossed in that part, and you are to know that King Tafener of Bohemia was with that company, and he, seeing the knight, asked if anyone knew him, but none present could say who he was. Belike, said the king, it may be a knight who has traversed all Germany, and done such wonderful things in arms, that all speak of him as of a miracle. They call him the knight of the green sword, or of the dwarf, and because of the dwarf I think this may be he. A knight named Sadian, who was chief of the king's guard, answered, Certes, this is he, for he hath a green sword. The king then rode more than a pace towards a ford, for the knight was now riding thither to cross, having the girfalcon on his fist. "'Good friend,' said Tafenor, "'you are right welcome to my land.' "'Are you the king?' "'I am, while it pleases God.' Then the knight approached respectfully to kiss his hand. "'Sir, pardon me, though not knowing you, I have not offended. I come to see and serve you, for they say you are at war with so mighty a man that you need the service of all your subjects and of strangers also.' but though I am a stranger, yet while I am with you, you may account me as your natural vessel. Knight of the green sword and friend, how much I am beholden to you for this coming, and these words, my heart knows, which hath its courage doubled thereby. So they rode together to the town, and much was that knight admired by all for his goodly person, and because he was better armed than ever they had seen knight. When they reached the palace, the king ordered that he should be lodged, and being disarmed in a rich chamber, he clothed himself in costly apparel, which his dwarf had brought, and went before the king with such a presence as testified to the truth of what had been spoken of his prowess. There did he eat with the king, and was served as became the table of such a man. When the cloths were removed, the king said, "'Knight of the green sword and my good friend,' Know that against my will I am at war with the mightiest of all the Christians, El Patin, Emperor of Rome, who in his great power and great pride would have this kingdom, which God gave free into my hands, tributary to him. Hitherto, by the good faith and strength of my vassals and friends, I have well defended myself, and will continue so to do while life shall last. But difficult and perilous it is for the few to defend themselves against the many, and therefore my heart is ever troubled in seeking for some remedy. But none other is there except in the worth and courage which God has given to some above others, and as he hath so excellently in this wise gifted you, much hope have I in your aid, if you will help to defend this kingdom which shall be ever at your will. Sir, answered the knight, I will serve you. As you shall see my deeds, so judge you my worth." Thus the knight of the green sword remained in the house of King Tafener of Bohemia, and to do him more honour the king ordered his own son Grasandor to be in his company, and Count Galtines his cousin. It chanced one day as they were riding out with the king and talking of the war, for the truce was to expire in five days, they saw twelve knights approaching, their arms lying upon the horses, and their squires carrying the helmets, shields, and lances. The king knew among them the shield of Don Garadal, cousin to the Emperor Patin, who was the best knight of all the lordship of Rome, and he said to him of the green sword, Ah, what evils he hath done me, who is his yonder shield! And he pointed to the shield, which bore two large eagles, or, in a field murray. Sir, replied he, 
the more insults you receive from your enemies the more confidence should you have that god will give you vengeance now seeing they are come into your land relying upon your courtesy honour them and accost them well but make no terms that are not to your own honour and profit the king embraced him and said would to god you had been always with me direct me as you please so they met garadan and his company and the king welcomed them with better words than heart and invited them to enter the town. Don Gardan answered, I come for two things, which you must know first, and whereon no other counsel is needed than that of your own heart. Answer us speedily, for we must not tarry, seeing the truce will soon be expired. He then produced a letter of credence, wherein the emperor promised on his faith to confirm whatever Don Gardan should conclude with him. Methinks, quoth Tefenor, when he had read it, the emperor places no little confidence in you. Now say your bidding. King, then said Don Garadan, notwithstanding the emperor is of higher lineage and lordship than you, yet because he hath other things to attend to, he wishes to put an end to this war, in either of these ways which he may choose. Either that you shall do battle with Salustanquidio, his cousin, prince of Calabria, hundred to hundred up to a thousand, or twelve to twelve your knights against me and these my companions on condition that if you conquer you shall be for ever free from this demand but if you are conquered you shall remain his vassal as this kingdom was in times past to his empire according to our roman histories now choose which you will for should you refuse either the emperor bids you know that leaving aside all other things he will come against you in person, and never depart till he hath destroyed you. Don Garadan, cried he of the green sword, you have spoken arrogantly enough, as well for yourself as for the emperor, but God oftentimes with a little of his mercy hath broken down such pride. The king will answer you as it may please him. I would only ask if he should accept one of these battles, how shall he be secure that what you promised will be performed? Don Garadan looked at him, and wondered that he should have answered without waiting for the king's reply. "'I know not who you are, Sir Knight,' quoth he, "'but by your speech it seems you are of a foreign land. This I shall say, I hold you for one of little discretion to reply without the king's command, but if he hold it good, and will accede to what I demand, I will tell you what you ask.' The king replied, Don Garadan, I confirm and warrant whatever the knight of the green sword shall say. When Garadan heard mention the man of such high prowess, his heart leaped for two causes, the one sorrow, that such a knight should be on the king's side, the other pleasure, for he hoped to combat him, and had confidence that he should subdue or slay him, and so acquire all that glory which he had won throughout Germany, and other countries wherein no other knight was spoken of. Since the king leaves it to you, said he, choose the one. The knight answered, Let the king do that. All I shall say is, that in either I will serve him, if you permit me, and so will I do in war while I remain with him. The king put his arm round the knight's neck, saying, Good friend, such courage your words give me, that I fear not to accept either. I beseech you, say which is best. Certes, sir, that may I not do. Summon you the good men of your council, and take their judgment, and command me wherein I may serve you, 
else might they with reason complain that I took upon myself more than I had wisdom to discharge. I bid, sir, at all events see what security Don Garadan will give. Garadan then bade his squire bring him a casket, and he took from it a writing sealed with thirty seals all suspended by silken strings, and all were of silver, except the middle one which was gold, for that was the emperor's, and the others were of the great lords of the empire. This he gave the king. Then King Tafinor withdrew with his good men, and finding that he might depend upon the conditions, asked counsel whether he should choose. Some said the hundred to hundred, others the combat of twelve, because for so small a number he could choose tried knights. Others said it were better to continue the war and not put his kingdom upon adventure of a battle, so that the opinions were very different. Then said Count Galtines, Sir, let us refer it to this knight of the green sword, who peradventure has seen many things, and hath great desire to serve you. Thereto all assented, and the king sent to call him, for he and Grasandor were talking with Don Garadan, and the knight of the green sword, seeing of what brave stature he was, and that needs there must be great strength in him, somewhat doubted the battle. Yet the vain and arrogant words which he had spoken made him hope that God would enable him to confound his pride. He, at the king's bidding, went before him, and the king said, Knight of the dwarf, my great friend, I beseech you now, do not refuse to give us your advice. And he told him at what difference they were. Sir, he replied, this is a weighty thing to determine, for the issue is in the hand of God, not in the judgment of men. Howbeit, speaking as the adventure were my own, I will say, sir, that if I had but one castle and a hundred men, and an enemy with ten castles and a thousand knights warring to take it from me, if it pleased God to make him propose to me an equal battle, I should think it a great mercy. But for all which I have said, do not you knights cease to counsel the king that which will be most for his service. With that he would have departed, but the king took him by the cloak and made him sit by him, and said, Good friend, we all agree in your opinion. I choose the combat of twelve, and God, who sees the violence done me, will be my helper, even as he helped King Perion of Gaul, when that mighty King Abias came against him, and was slain by a stripling knight. "'In the name of God!' exclaimed he of the green sword. "'And this is the best choice, but if you can prevail with Garadan, let it be decided by single combat. Let he and I do battle, for I trust in God, and in your good cause, and his pride, that I could decide the war.' With that they went to Don Garadan, who was impatient of their delay, and the king said to him, I choose the combat of twelve, Don Garadan, and let it be to-morrow. So help me God, quoth Garadan, as you have answered to my heart's desire, and I am right glad. He of the green sword answered, Oftentimes men are glad at the beginning, but when the end comes it is otherwise. Garadan beheld him with an evil look. Don Cavalier, you choose to speak on every occasion. It is plain enough that you are a stranger, since your discretion is so scanty and strange. If I knew that you were to be one of the twelve, I would give you these gloves. He of the green sword took them. I shall be there, and as I now take your gloves, so will I then take that head which your pride and discourtesy have offered me. When Garadan heard this, he was beside himself with rage. Ah, wretch that I am, quoth he. If this were to-morrow, and we were in the battle, Don Cavalier of the Dwarf, 
all these should see how i would chastise your folly if till to-morrow seems so long a time replied he of the green sword the day is yet long enough for one to slay the other let us arm if you will and begin the battle on this covenant that he who survives may aid his comrades to-morrow certes don cavalier replied garadan if you dare do as you have now said i forgive you all you have said against me and he called hastily for his arms and the knight of the dwarf demanded his from gandalin his companions armed on garadan the king and his son did the same to their champion all then withdrew and left the twain in the field where they were to combat garadan mounted upon a goodly steed whom he made prance fiercely over the field then turning to his friends he said trust ye that ye shall see this king made subject to our emperor and ye without striking a blow remain with much honour all the hope of our enemies is in this knight whom if he dares abide the encounter i shall presently conquer and when he is slain they will not dare enter the lists with us to-morrow what are you doing garadan cried he of the green sword you waste the day in boasting and boasting will not do now we are about to be proved they then spurred against each other their shields strong as they were failed their lances thick as they were splintered and they dashed helmet and shield against each other the horse of the green sword staggered back and reeled but did not fall garadan was driven from the saddle and so rudely that he was well-nigh stunned he of the green sword when he saw him trying to rise and stumbling would have made at him but his horse could not move the encounter had so shaken him and he himself had been wounded in the left arm but he alighted in great wrath and went against garadan with its burning sword now had garadan recovered and stood sword in hand covered with his shield ready but not so fierce as before many a notable blow was then given and so fiercely they foined that all marvelled to behold them but garadan yet felt his fall and his enemy in anger pressed on him and laid on such heavy loads so fast that he drew back and said certes knight of the green sword i now know you better than before and like you less howbeit though much of your worth is now proved to me mine is not in such a state that it can be known who shall conquer if you like to rest a while be it so if not again to battle truly don garadan replied he it would please me far better to rest than to fight but to one of your high prowess and courage it must be far otherwise as i judge by your own words and therefore that so good a man as you may not be shamed i will not leave the battle till it be ended right sad was don garadan for that for he felt himself weak with his fallen wounds and remembered the proud threats which had uttered against that enemy howbeit he took courage to do his best and endure the end then again they engaged with equal fury but it was not long before garadan fell down with a blow on the helmet the sword had entered so deep that the knight could scarce pluck it out then he hastened and took off his enemy's helmet and saw that the brains were cleft whereat greatly rejoicing because of the displeasure it would be to el patin the emperor and the service he had done the king he wiped his sword and put it in the scabbard and knelt down and gave god thanks king tafinor immediately dismounted from his palfrey and went up to the conqueror and seeing his hands red with blood his own as well as his enemies he said to him good friend how feel you right well replied he of the green sword by god's mercy i shall bear my part to-morrow in the battle so he was honourably accompanied to the town and his wounds were dressed 
The Roman knights, meantime, carried the dead Garadan to their tents, and great dole did they make, for they loved him much, and were sore dismayed at his loss, seeing that his conqueror would be against them on the morrow. So they were greatly troubled, being afraid to do battle, yet knowing that if they did not, the emperor would be dishonoured, and they themselves, therefore, in peril of death. Howbeit, they resolved not to fight, and to excuse themselves before the emperor by saying that Garadan had undertaken the combat, wherein he died against the will of all for his own haughtiness. The most of them were of this mind, and the others were silent. But there was among them a young knight called Arquisil, of the imperial blood, and so near akin to El Patin that he was his heir if he died without a son, and for this reason was he hated by that emperor he being so young for he was yet but twenty had not before ventured to speak but now he said certes sirs i marvel greatly that good men like you should fall into so great an error if any man had advised this you ought to have held him as an enemy for don garadan's death it is better that so insolent a one should be out of our company that we may not partake the reward of his insolence and for that knight whom you fear i will take him to my account and not leave him till death what then will be the mighty odds, eleven to ten, that you should prefer perpetual dishonour to the chance of death? Such weight had these words of Arquisil, that his companions gave him many thanks, and praised his counsel, and bravely determined to undertake the combat. When the knight of the green sword had taken food, he said to the king, It is time, sir, to appoint the knights who are to do battle to-morrow, that they may prepare and meet at mass in your chapel by daybreak, that we go forth together to the field, so let it be replied tafenor my son grasandor shall be one and the others such that with god's help and yours we shall gain the victory god forbid then answered the knight that while i can bear arms you or your son should wear them and when the others are such that he and even i might be excused sir knight of the green sword exclaimed grasandor i will not be excused where your person is exposed neither in this nor in any other battle. If I were worthy to have a boon granted by such a knight as you, I would request you to have me always in your company. In no wise will I forbear to be in the combat to-morrow, though it were only to learn something of your wonders in arms. He of the green sword bowed humbly to acknowledge that honour. Since you will so have it, sir, in God's name let it be so. The king then said, My good friend, your arms have been rudely handled. I will give you others which never have been worn, and which will please you, and a horse better than which you never have seen. And forthwith he bade the horse be brought bridled and saddled with most rich trappings. When the knight saw the horse, how handsome he was, and how well apparisoned, he sighed, thinking that if he was where it could be done, he should well bestow him by sending him to his true friend Angriotte of Estravaus. The arms were very rich, bearing lion's myrrh in a field oar, and the coat-armour was the same, but the sword was the best that ever he had seen, except King Lisuartes and his own, and, after having looked at it, he gave it to Grasandor for the battle. On the morrow, betimes they heard mass with the king, and armed and kissed his hand, then took horse and rode to the field. The Romans were coming forth, their men sounding trumpets to encourage them, Arquisil among them in green arms, and on a white horse, and he said to his comrades, Remember what we have said, I will perform my promise. They then encountered, 
and Arquisil met the knight of the green sword. Their lances break, and Arquisil was driven from the saddle. But he laid hold of the crupper, and being active and of good heart, lightly recovered his seat. The green sword knight passed on, and with the truncheon of his lance smote off the helmet of the first he met, and he would have felled him if he had not himself been attacked by two knights at once, the one of which struck his shield, the other his leg, passing through the lappet of his mail. The spare end gave him a wound which he felt sorely, and which made him rage with more wrath. He laid hand to sword, and smote at one a thwart blow which fell upon the horse's neck, and cut it clean through, so that the beast fell and broke the rider's leg. By this Arquisil came up and smote him of the green sword on the helmet so fiercely that sparks flew from helm and sword, and he made him bend his head. But he soon received his guerdon, for the green sword struck him on the shoulder, and wounded him so sorely that Arquisil thought surely his arm was lost. Then the knight went on among his other enemies, who were now hardly put to by Grassandor and the Bohemians. But Arquisil still followed him, though with less ardour than at first, and foined him on all parts. He turned and struck him, with no will to wound, esteeming him above all of his party for the courage with which he had singled him out. Arquisil still pressed on him. By this the Romans were slain, or disabled, or had yielded, and the green-sword knight, seeing how Arquisil still pursued him, cried out, "'Will no one deliver me from this knight?' Thereat Grassandor and two others turned upon him and plucked him from the saddle, for he was weary and weak and threw him down, and would have slain him. But then the green-sword knight said, "'Sirs, I have received most hurt from him. Leave me to take amends.' And he went up to Arquisil, and said, "'Knight, yield yourself, and do not perish by the hand of one who esteems you.' Then he, who only expected death, right joyfully yielded himself prisoner, and thanked him for his life, and pledged himself upon the green-sword to obey his bidding. Then went they all to the king, who joyfully received them, and the knight of the green sword was laid in the king's chamber, and Tuffener would have lodged Arquisil with him to honour him because of his high lineage and great worth, but he said, I beseech you, sir, let me go help my companions who are yet living, and bear away the dead. I am your prisoner, and will come to your command whenever you summon me. The green sword knight embraced him and dismissed him, and he went to his comrades, whom he found in such plight as you may guess, and taking with them the bodies of Garadan and the others who were slain, they went their way. So you will hear nothing more of this knight, till his time comes, and then it shall be told to what his great courage brought him. The green sword knight remained with King Tuffenor till his wounds were healed, and then seeing that the war was ended, and thinking that he could better bear the misery of absence from Ariana when he was wandering and enduring difficulty than in repose and enjoyment, he spake to the king, saying, Sir, since your war is ended, and the time when my fortune will not let me rest is come, I must obey the will of that fortune, not my own. I will depart to-morrow, and God grant that there may come a time wherein I may make some return for the great honours and favours which you have vouchsafed me. King Tafinor thereat was sorely troubled. Ah, knight of the green sword, my true friend, take what you will of my kingdom, power as well as possessions, and do not leave me. Sir, replied he, this I always believed, that, knowing my good will to serve you, you would honour me accordingly. But I cannot rest till my heart be in that place where its thoughts are always. 
the king seeing how he spake and knowing him to be fixed in all his purposes answered then with a sad countenance my loyal friend since it must be so i beg of you two things the one that if ever need betide you you will remember me and this my country the other that you will hear mass with me to-morrow for i would speak with you he of the green sword then ordered gandalin to prepare for their departure that night he did not sleep even as though he had been overwearied with bodily toil for trouble and grief of mind so mastered him for his lady's sake many tears did he shed that night at dawn he rose and armed and went to horse and gandalin and the dwarf mounted their palfreys taking the things necessary for their journey forthwith he went to the king's chapel where they heard mass king tafinor then bidding all others go forth said to him my great friend i beg of you one boon which shall neither be to the hindrance of your journey nor to your dishonour so sir i will believe do you therefore ask according to your virtue and i grant it tell me then good friend your name and whose son you are and trust me the secret shall be kept by me till you divulge it the knight remained silent a while repenting what he had promised sir if it please you do not ask this for it will not profit you my good friend doubt not to tell me i will conceal it like you yourself he then replied since it pleases you sir to know i am that amadis of gaul son to king perion of whom you spake before the battle ah happy knight quoth then king tafinor blessed was the hour wherein thou wert begotten by whom thy parents and kin and we also have derived such honour and advantage you have made me right joyful by telling me this and i trust in god that it will be for your own good and the means that i may somewhat discharge the great debts i owe you now though the king spake thus from his own good will and not because of anything which he could know of that knight's needs yet was it fulfilled in two ways the one because he made be written all the feats of arms which amadis had done in those countries and the other when he was a right good ally to him with his son and his people when he had great need of help as you shall hear hereafter then he took leave of the king and being accompanied out of town by grasandor and count galtines and other good knights for half a league they then commended him to god and he set forth to go through the islands of romania and prove himself in such adventures as he might there find end of book 3 chapter 7